I refuse to believe that this is my fate as a woman. This cannot be it. I was not born to be a trophy wife. I'm talking about growth. It's a measure of me versus me yesterday versus me two days ago. Not a measure of me versus you. We're trying to raise women that understand that they can be classy, they can be beautiful, they can be petty, they can be smart, they can be knowledgeable, they can be independent. We are a new generation of women. We are not conformed or confined by everything that society has placed out for us. We're breaking out of the mold and creating something new for ourselves. We are Sassy and Safe Baby. Hey, big head. Mm? How long has it been? What? Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. For those who are listening for the first time, welcome to season four of the Sassy and Save podcast. You are a little bit behind because we have been gathering around and talking for about three seasons now, but I'm sure you'll go have time to catch up. But anywho, welcome. If this is your first time, your first season with us, welcome to the Real Talk Nation. We are so happy to have you. Whoever put you on game, you better thank them because your Wednesdays are about to change. The Sassy and Save podcast is a millennial podcast where we combine kingdom and culture in an effort to raise the standard of the modern day millennial Christian. And we took a break, but now we're back. So welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I know you like me. Hey, I know you like me. Okay, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's too early in the episode. We don't need all of that. Um, Y'all, it is month six. Welcome to month six of 2019. We are in June. We are at the halfway mark. So where are you at? Are you drinking water? Are you minding your business? Are you working out? Are you fulfilling purpose? Are you walking in purpose? Are you manifesting all God has called you to be, child? Where are you at? Like, where are you? It's month six. I love self-evaluation. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that self-evaluation is my thing. And it's perfect to do at the halfway mark. It's perfect to do at month six. So where are you? Where are you at? What's the temperature like in your life? Are you sinking? Are you swimming? Have you crushed your goals this far and made new ones? I know some people month six they they take everything they had off their list they gave themselves 12 months but they only cut they they did it all in six are you one of those people if you are go off go off sis go off bro go off if you have crushed your goals go off round of applause for everybody who has crushed their goals and on the other hand there's some people that are sinking it's not unfamiliar to anybody we've all been there Maybe you're behind on your goals or you've given up. You find that everything that you planned is not manifesting. You are not manifesting. You are not walking in purpose. It is a stagnant and slow season. Anybody over there? Come on, somebody. We see y'all too. Round of applause for y'all too because it's tough. I'm going to make y'all's... I'm going to make y'all longer because 
it's a lot tougher. We always applaud for people that are doing great things, but we got to applaud people that sometimes, you know, are just making it. Sometimes just being able to pull through, just pushing through in the difficult seasons deserves an applause because those are the times where we are really tested and those are the times where we know if you really love God. You know when everything is going easy, everything is going good in life, it's easy to love God. I mean, you're being blessed, you're being elevated, duh, you love God, but it's in it's in the pit, it's in the wilderness, it's through the fire when there's nowhere to turn and when the easiest thing to do would be to give up when you're still pushing, you're still serving, you're still holding on and your faith is intact, those are the people that deserve an applause because it's so hard to do it when you're down. So a round of applause once again for anybody who's sinking right now because that's who the episode is for today. I can relate because I've been sinking. Anywho, we are at month six and we have the benefit being halfway through the year to reset. I love June every year because the first half is gone and the second half awaits. And despite whatever the first half has brought you, whether it's success or failure, whether it's joy or sorrow, whatever it is, you have another six months to reset. Resetting is a blessing. It is an amazing blessing. It's 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 a time to evaluate, see what went wrong, what went right, and how to improve. And the greatest thing about starting again is that this time you're starting from experience. It's not an open plating field. You know, in January, you didn't know what 29 had 2019 had to offer. You didn't know what was going to be thrown your way. You didn't know what was coming at you. You didn't know the trials or the tests of this season. And so you went in blindsided. And some people, they got it right from January. Some people February, March, April, May, and maybe even June. But now, now that you've endured for six months, now that you've found your footing and you know what 2019 has to offer, the next six months, you're operating from a place of experience. And so maybe the same naiveness or maybe the same lackluster behavior, maybe the same effort that was put in at the beginning of the year will be amplified, doubled, and multiplied for the second half of the year. So resetting is a good thing. Amen? Amen. Today, I want to talk about prayer. This season for me has been... A season of prayer. Um, I don't know about y'all, but you know, to be a fully saved, sanctified, and filled Christian, you've got to operate. You have to spend. You you to be a fully saved, sanctified Christian. You need to. There's three main things that you need to do on the daily, and they are. Worship, reading of the word, and prayer. Now, I think I said this on here before. I'm not sure, but for me, the word comes pretty easy. I'm graced in the word as a teacher, and so I have the gift of revelatory grace. Not even bragging, but I can, like, find revelation in anything. Like, I can 
I can find revelation in my sleep. Worship, I mean, is music. I love music, so it's it's a given. But prayer has always been the hardest one for me. Not to say that I didn't pray. I'm Savior. I prayed. But I definitely didn't pray at the level I should have been based on the call uh, for my life and, and my destiny and my purpose. I mean, because, you know, God will reveal to you where you're going and, and who you are, but you've got to pray your way there, right? You may see something or someone may tell you something or whatever it is. You're who you are, who you truly are has already been manifest in the spiritual realm, but you got to pray it into the physical. And so knowing where I was going and who I was and what God has called me to do, I was not praying at an adequate level for that person. And so you find yourself stagnant, dare I say. Well, maybe not stagnant. Nah, let's say stagnant. You find yourself stagnant at the same place. I mean, you're growing Mm -hmm. spiritually deeper revelations and everything else that comes with spiritual growth but you are not necessarily manifesting you have heard time and time again from prophets who you're supposed to be God himself has shown you who you're supposed to be you know where you should be you know where you're going you know what your purpose is but for some reason you're not manifesting and you know it's not a timing issue and you know it's not a thing that has to do with God, you know it's you. Because sometimes it is a timing issue. Sometimes it's not your time. Sometimes, you know, God is still teaching you stuff and whatever, be it. You know, you know as a Christian when you are being delayed because of God. You know when you are being delayed because of a timing issue. And you know when you're being delayed because of you. You know when you are the weapon causing yourself not to prosper you know I believe you know you know (laughs) um but yeah prayer for me has always been a bit difficult um it's just I, I, I mean I you can lock me in a room for 24 hours with a bible and I would be okay like I I would be okay I mean, I could sit for hours and listen to worship music on worship, but prayer, prayer, man, prayer. (laughs) I get tired of prayer. Like, I I get tired of it. I don't want to pray anymore, you know? Does anybody feel me? Has anyone been there? I know maybe y'all acting like no, but for the real ones, I know you've been there. Like, you just, dang, prayer again? (laughs) If you go to a church like mine, we pray a lot, a lot. A lot. So I've been learned. I have learned to 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 build tenacity in prayer. But it wasn't something I enjoyed. And now in this season, it's something that I enjoy. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about the power of prayer. I want to talk about the point of prayer. I want to talk about everything prayer is and everything prayer does because I feel like the best way to reset for the next half of the year is through prayer. Like I said, maybe you are crushing your goals. Maybe you're killing it. Maybe this has been the best six months of your life. Well, it can be better with prayer. And even though it started a certain way, you don't know the way it's going to end. And even if it's supposed to end the same amazing way that it started, maybe 2019 is your year of uh, most blessings and everything God has for you is supposed to manifest this year. You've got to guard it with prayer. And 
And if you're on the other hand and 2019 has just been the worst year of your life and you just can't wait for the year to be over already, even though it's June, you are counting down the days till December 31st because you just can't. Like 2019 is too much. You can reset with prayer. And so prayer works in every season, every area, every channel, every avenue of your life, wherever you are, whatever season you're in, whatever stage you're in in life, prayer is effective and necessary for a Christian. Pastor Sam Oye, one of my favorite pastors, preachers right now, says you are your prayer life. And I used to always hear him say it, but like literally it has become my life because this season, all I've been doing is praying. I just read my Bible and pray. I don't even, like, Netflix used to be my stuff. I used to stay up to watch every show. I keep tabs on what shows are on TV. Nah, this season is all about reading my Bible and prayer. And at first, I didn't really understand why God was letting me do this or why God was pushing me to it. But the more I fell in love with prayer, the more I understand. Y'all, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things in a different type of way it's it's <laughs> you know you know what's funny reading the word and worship they they don't require you to be spiritual I want to use my words correctly okay reading the word and worship they don't require spirituality like anybody can preach preaching is not office it's not a part of the fivefold ministry it's not a, a, a gift a ministerial gift it isn't like not a gift of preaching preaching is a skill it is taught it is learned it is worked upon you can be the worst preacher in the world but if you practice you can become a good preacher can we all agree on that? Have you ever heard somebody who couldn't preach and then like a, a year later they actually make sense and their revelation is like actually, you know, like their words come together, they can engage you in sermon? Right, because preaching is a skill. Reading the word, reading the word doesn't necessarily, quote unquote, require spirituality it's a book you open it you read the words on the page the more spiritual you are the deeper revelation you'll get and the more the word will bless you and edify you but even if you are not spiritual quote-unquote if this is your first time ever reading the bible you can open it up and you can get something for it not even having revelation not even not even having revelation, not even nothing like that. Like, this is literally your first time ever you open the book. Like, if you give a child, like, okay, here we go. There's the example. In Sunday school, you ain't know nothing about no Holy Spirit. <laughs> there was nothing about no revelation, but they were teaching you. Like, oh, Jonah got swallowed by the fish because he ran away from God. There's the lesson right there. Running away from God will put put you in a fish now we know that's not the actual lesson but a kid would understand it as that you see because it's a book so it doesn't necessarily require quote-unquote spirituality but prayer you need to be spiritual to pray if you cannot connect to the spirit you cannot pray and that's a bold statement because that's a bold statement, and I know that's a bold statement because we have people that are like in the world and stuff like that that pray and all of that. So you might be like, oh, da 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 da. But I honestly believe you you cannot pray 
the way God wants us to pray unless you are connected to the Spirit of God. And that is why many people don't have a prayer life. Me being an unbeliever, well, I'm not an unbeliever, but (laughs) suppose I was. Anybody who is an unbeliever can say a five-minute, a two-minute prayer. They can even pray every day if they want. But they probably wouldn't because they're an unbeliever. Most times you find unbelievers pray in critical moments and they just throw up a couple words and that's what it is. It's symbolic of, it's, it's, it's more of a symbolism for them. They don't necessarily believe in the power of prayer, but this is the culture. This is what we do. And so I'm throwing up a prayer. I want something to happen. And so I'm throwing up a prayer. Now for a believer who understands spiritual things, when you are not connected to the spirit, you will find that you are not praying because as a believer, you know the difference. And so you can feel the absence of spirit in prayer when you're just talking as opposed to when you're actually praying. That is why I made such a bold claim saying you need to be spiritual to pray. To, uh, you need to be spiritual to pray. <clears throat> Which is why I made that bold statement of you need to be spiritual to pray. And so that has been like my life, especially on this break off. I've just been praying and seeking God and asking God, listen, God, what is it that you want us to do in this season of the Sassy and Safe podcast? And God has been downloading so, so, so many things to me. I think it's going to be a really amazing season. It's going to be quite different than any season that we've ever had, um, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm really, really excited. And if you recall, at the beginning of the year in January, I did call to action you all and commission you all to go deeper in your walk with God, to not stay at the same level. And now that we are hitting reset, I think it's only right that we enter in the same vein. I think sometimes it's easy to fall off. Um, This walk can become routine as long as you know what to do, when to do it. Once you do, you're pretty much doing the same things every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. Um, go to church, serve in ministry. It's it's easy for it to come become routine. It's easy for it to become a, re, a religion and drift from relationship, even for believers. And so it's our job to constantly ensure that we're building a, re, a relationship with Jesus, that we're pressing in our relationship with Jesus, that it's we're growing in our relationship with D- Jesus, that we are pushing and pressing forward to go deeper. And I know everybody's summer to-do list right now is, you know, work out, drink water, mind your business. But why don't we add prayer to our to-do list? Why don't we make it pray, drink water, work out, mind your business? Because that's what's going to sustain you for the next six months. The veterans in the faith, they had revelation that we did not have. And they got it right. What did the hymn say? Oh, what needless pain we bear because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is not for God. Prayer is for you. It's communicating with God for you. The power in prayer, like I wish you knew. The Bible says humble people pray. I think it's like Second Chronicles or something. I don't know the exact verse right now, but the Lord is basically saying 
if my people who are called by my name would just humble themselves and pray, then I will. So if we humble ourselves and pray, then God will. But it's so interesting how the Bible will say, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray. One, that tells us that prayer is for the humble. So the proof of a proud person is the absence of prayer. How about them apples? Two, it's telling us that the people that have issues with prayer and problems with prayer is those that are called by his name, Christians. It's not anybody else. Those that are Bible-believing Christians are the ones that have problems praying. Doesn't that interest you? And God is saying there are things that he wants to do, but he needs believers to humble themselves and pray because he gave us dominion over the earth so he can't come and do things and bypass our will. He wants us to pray and tap him in. He wants us to pray and tag him in. I always give this analogy of prayer as a baton. Once you pray, once you say amen, it's like passing the baton. When you're running a relay, you get tired, you pass the baton and somebody else goes. Once you say amen, you've passed the baton to God. And that's all he wants you to do. He wants you to tag him in so that you can manifest everything that he has for you. But you won't tag him in. And so you'll let the prince of the world, which is Satan, have his way. Because he is the prince of the world. So he can come in and bypass us and do anything he wants without our permission. But God is not the prince of this world. He is not the king of this world. He is not of this world. And so if we want him to come, if we want heaven to come onto earth as it is in heaven, we've got to tag him in. We've got to invite him. And that's what we fail to do because we think as long as we're going to church and as we're reading the word and we're worshiping, we're, we're dealing with God up there. But God doesn't just want to be up there. He wants to come here. But many of us don't let him because we don't pray. And so we go day by day, year by year, week by week. And God has given us all these promises and we have trouble believing and we doubt everything that he has said because it's not manifesting. Not even realizing that the reason it's not, it's not manifesting is by our own doing. That's why the Bible would say people make mistakes by their own folly and then are angry at the Lord. I don't remember the exact verse. I'm going to find it for you actually because no, people need to see this. Where is it at? I'm going to find this one. It's not every day I don't remember the exact verse. Sometimes go and look. A lie? Proverbs 19.3 People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. You know, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to fake spirituality in church. It's easy to fake a relationship with God in the church. Doesn't it interest you how... <laughs> Doesn't it interest you how church members, your church community, people come and testify all the time in church that, oh, this and this, this and this happened, but God saw me through, or I was going through this and God saw me through. And it's always the same sort of kind of testimony. I was going through this, this and this, and I always came to church and I had a smile on my face and I was still serving, but I was actually dealing with this, this and this. And I know, but sometimes, and sometimes you hear those testimonies and you're like, wow, that person was going through all of that this whole time. I had no idea. Doesn't it interest you how many people how many people have that same testimony? How many people in the church are going through 
the craziest of things and they come and they serve and they do everything that they would normally do. So the church as a community doesn't even realize that this person is actually drowning, that this person is actually being attacked, that this person is going home and crying every day. Nobody knows because they're coming and they're serving and they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing and they're smiling and life is good and la di da di da di da di da But the fact that so many people have that testimony serves to show that it's easy to fake it in church. It's easy because church is a culture. And I'm not here to bash church. I love church. Church is like, um, I stand, I stand church. But church, church is a culture, not necessarily one church or church as an institution, but every church has a culture. And the institution of church actually has a culture. As long as you know when to clap, when to stand, when to pray, when to lift your hands, it's easy to 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 fake and it's easy to make it look like everything is okay. It's easy to fake an authentic and serious relationship with God in the church. It's actually harder to fake it to unbelievers than to believers. I find that unbelievers are, are it's easier for an unbeliever to call out a flake than it is for a person in church. We in the church are more quick to defend a person who actually, mm, <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything cause touch not my anointed and my prophets do no harm, but we all know that there are some false prophets in the world. And it's easier for unbelievers more times to point out and discern a false prophet or a false prophet, pastor, etc. than it is for somebody in the church. Because once you're immersed in the culture, it's harder for you to be able to point it out, right? But I digress. My point is, it's easy to fake in church. It's easy to fake like everything is okay, that everything is is going well, that everything is great. And meanwhile, you're coming home every day. You're crying. You're hating your life. You're lost. You're broken. You're unsure of where you're even supposed to be. And you're frustrated with the fact that you have to go to church and put on a mask. And maybe you're even a little annoyed that why is it that you're going through all of this and nobody can see it? Or why is it that you're going through all of this but everybody else's life seems to be okay? You know, that was my story a couple years ago. Um, I have been saved walking with God for about six years now. Hold on, let me do mental math. I was never a math scholar, so it's going to take me a little while. Yes, six years. I've been walking with God for about six years now. And at the beginning of my walk, I just got saved. Everything was great. You know, fresh fire. You know, you're on fire for God. You're so amazed by how amazing he is. And uh, la, 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 la. everything is roses and lollipops. I just came back from the encounter. God is my world. But then after a few months, it gets kind of stale. You know, you get immersed into the culture. You're going through the motions. You, you, you do everything that you're supposed to do. And then it goes down. Because our walks with God are what? Mountains and valleys. Sometimes you're at the top of the mountain. Sometimes you're low within the valley. Or you can switch it. Sometimes it's a plain field of a valley. You're walking straight. Then all of a sudden, there's a mountain in front of you. Our walks with God's, our, our walks with God are mountains and valleys. And so at the beginning of my walk, 
I was on fire and then I got into the rut. I got into the motions and everything was eh. And all through that time, I was faking church. I was faking, faking, faking for about, I want to say a year because when I first came to Christ, I had an amazing mentor. And I think that's why mentorship is so important to me. Um, I had an amazing mentor that really, really, really helped me lay the foundation and and lay the foundation and build roots in the faith. But I made the mistake that many people make in relying solely on the mentor and not relying solely on the mentor and not the source. You see, the mentor is, a mentor is a bridge to your destination. If I always give this analogy as if you consider yourself a car and you are on the road of life, you have a destination, which is your purpose, right? Your mentor is a bridge that gets you from where you are to your destination so that you don't need to go through the detours, you don't need to hit the road bumps, you don't need to stop at traffic lights. They're just a direct bridge to help you get to your destination. But what many people do, which myself was included, is that we we rely solely on the bridge. We become too familiar with the bridge that we don't know how to get there to our destination in the absence of the bridge. And so, so imagine you're driving your car and you're trying to get to your destination and you appear to the entrance of the bridge and all of a sudden there's a road closure. You see those orange pylons or whatever it is they are blocking your bridge and now you need to find your way to the destination but you don't know how to get there because the only route you know is the bridge and that's what many people do with mentors they rely solely on the mentor and they forget that they need to be drinking from the source you're drinking from the mentor but the mentor is pointing you to the source and so in the absence of their mentor their relationship with god falters because you don't actually have a relationship with god you have a relationship with your mentor And that's what I did. And my mentor had to go away from medical school because, you know, she had to get her life and live her purpose too. And once she did, my relationship with God hit hit a wall. And it was there that I had to learn on my own how to stand on my own and how to go directly to the source. Even in the presence of mentors, being able to utilize the bridge, but also knowing the root in the absence of the bridge. Do you get what I'm saying? And I was in leadership and in ministry. And so everybody figured I had it all together because everybody thinks you do when you're in leadership and ministry, right? Christians have this problem where we use leadership and we use ministry as a guise for mediocrity in the spirit. Because you have a title at church, because you head or lead a ministry, because you are in a position of leadership, you, you, <laughs> you have arrived and it is okay for you to X, Y, Z. So many times I see people and I don't understand how some people really identify and classify leadership and ministry as the highest point of order in their spiritual walk. Like once you are in leadership, once you are pastoring, once you are leading somebody, once you're once you are a mentor, 
or whatever it may be, all of a sudden you have arrived and you are at the climax of your spiritual walk. But like everybody else around, we all can see that you're not growing. Like, and it's, it's actually disgusting and sad, but like that is how some people think. People actually look and sit back and think once you're in leadership and once you're in ministry, You've arrived and many people use leadership and ministry as a guide for mediocrity and the things of the spirit and and the things of the spirit. And that is something that definitely needs to be reset. I can't stand. I don't think I can like I'm at a place in my life, a point in my walk where I can't like even pretend. I'm so my friend was telling me the other day that like I'm a hater. He calls me a hater now because he says that Like, I don't hold my words back. But that's where I'm at in life. Like, I can't sit down and just watch people, people dealing with the same things, struggling with the same things, the same sicknesses, the same ailments. The devil has been using the same tricks since the days of John the Baptist. Like, the tricks he was using in the Bible, he's still using today. He's still plaguing people with the same illnesses. He's still affecting people with the same struggles. And they're not being healed because we have a generation that is powerless because we have a generation that is prayerless. Prayer does so much for a believer. In addition to giving you the power that you need to go out and save the souls that are waiting to be saved, prayer helps you. Like, I actually find that when I start my day with prayer, like, I function better even at work. Like, take away things of the spirit. Just functioning at work. Just dealing with people. Because you know the world is full of stupid people and people are going to try you and test you every day. But days that I like actually spend time in prayer in the morning, because it's not every day, I'm going to tell the truth, shame the devil. But days that I actually spend time in deep prayer in the morning, like I'm so peaceful because everything is above me now. Like anybody can say anything to me and I'm chill. Like it's above me now. <laughs> like I, I can't. Like honestly, even in the most difficult seasons of my life, the things that I have commit to God in prayer... I found peace in and right now there is something that's really frustrating me and I realized yesterday the reason why I'm so frustrated and it's been prolonged is because I really haven't been praying about it as as I should be I think because I I just it was right there and I just saw it and I was like okay cool like this is it I, 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 I was lackluster in my prayer because I felt like I already had it and now it's frustrating me. The very thing that is supposed to be mine is frustrating me because I'm not praying, I think. So I'm, I'm really taking the next few days to really, really pray about it. Like not just your standard checklist prayer, but like to actually pray about it and see where to go from here because I can't like, I have so much peace when I commit things to God in prayer. Even in the scariest situations, things that should really be causing me to lose my mind, once I've prayed about it, I've passed the baton and I know that it's above me now. And so if you're like me and this first half of the year has been a struggle for you, it's been slow to start, you're not manifesting, you're losing hope, you're losing, you're, you're doubting yourself and a lot of things are confusing you, I employ you and I commission you. Oh my God, they're doing construction in my house and yeah, well, yeah, they're here. I um, employ you and I commission you to please go to the go to the Lord in prayer to pray just as the Bible says be anxious for nothing but 
Be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray about everything. Prayer is the remedy to anxiety. Let me tell you a story. I used to struggle so much with anxiety. I'm a worrier, so I think about everything. I overthink everything, and I think everything through a thousand times to the point where it doesn't even make sense anymore. That's who I am. And anxiety is was such a big thing for me to the point where I have I have had anxiety attacks. I had I had frequent anxiety attacks. I'm talking like once a week. Since I've been saved, I've only had two in very high anxious situations. But before I was having them weekly on a weekly basis for about 20 years, anxiety attack. So you can imagine. I went through 20 years of weekly anxiety attacks and then the point at which I got saved and began praying and actually casting my cares onto Jesus just like that 20 years of a diagnosed condition disappeared. Prayer is not simply talking to God. It's an act of surrender. It's telling God that I cannot do this without you. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your direction. And so I urge you to spend time in prayer, not simply today, not simply now, not simply after hearing this message, but moving forward cast your burdens onto God. Like seriously, anything that bothers you, give it to God. The Bible says he has given us the spirit of confusion. We are not supposed to be anxious. We are not supposed to be dealing. We put so much weight on ourselves, worrying and thinking and trying to figure out how things are going to be and how things are going to work just because the prince of this world afflicts us. But the Bible tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them delivereth him from them all the only way he can deliver us from it is if we cast it to him remember what i said satan is the prince of the world and so he can come and do anything he wants with nobody's permission but god he is not of this world and so we have to invite him when we want him here he gave us the dominion so when you want him in your situation you've got to pray him in cast your burdens cast your care cast your worry cast your anxiety cast your fear it's anything that is bothering you now i urge you to give it to God, put it above you, and see how things will change. Go out and manifest. And while you're praying, pray for power, because the world needs powerful Christians. The Bible says, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I decree and declare and feel that for somebody that the next six months of the year we are entering into a season of rest not because trials won't come not because afflictions won't come not because it won't be difficult but because we understand that once we pray it's above us we are setting everything that is not of God anything that causes us confusion causes us stress or troubles our peace of mind which the Bible says we have and that which we were given we walk, we choose to walk boldly in that peace of mind. We choose to walk boldly in that state of mind. And anything that intercepts or interferes with our peace of mind, we understand that it is above us. And so we are entering into a place of rest. It's above me now. It's above me. It's above you. It's above us. I gave it to God. It's above me now. Until next time, sassy and safe, baby.